Hey, Three Crosses family, and welcome back to the podcast. My name's AJ. I'm the pastor of Life Groups and Discipleship, and we are so excited to be in the middle of our Explore God series. Here at Three Crosses, we're partnering with other churches in the Bay Area, and we are facing Christianity's toughest objections and questions. If you want to learn more about this Explore God series, feel free to visit our website at threecrosses.church/explore-god. Well, today, it is an honor and a privilege to invite Pastor Daniel from Uganda onto our panel. You're going to hear a conversation that intermixes some of these Explore God concepts we've been wrestling with as a church, as well as updates as to what God is doing around the world, in particular in Uganda. And so we're really excited to rebroadcast this conversation for you guys out there listening. And so without further ado, let's go Well, again, welcome. We are in our fifth week now of Explore God, where we are joining churches throughout the Bay Area in looking at questions that confront Christianity in our specific context as we seek to work together to bring the gospel to the East Bay. And tonight we have a very special um, night for you bringing Pastor Daniel and Pastor Mark here, speaking of Uganda. So I'm going to, in a way of introduction, ask Pastor Daniel and Pastor Mark to kind of recap our Sunday morning experience. Um, If you didn't get a chance to make it Sunday, then you can get a great little recap. And then we'll do some introduction, and then we'll hop into some questions on missions with Pastor Daniel from Uganda and Pastor Mark. How many of you are here on Sunday? So most of you are here, so I'll just give you a really brief recap. Pastor Daniel and his wife Erica are our movement leaders that serve in Uganda. So at Three Crosses, we support 800 indigenous church planters in 23 countries around the world. And each of those countries has a movement leader, a man and a woman typically married that just have a vision to reach the entire nation with the gospel. And so you had the opportunity to hear Pastor Daniel this Sunday be, this last Sunday be interviewed by Pastor Danny, Danny and Daniel, two power Ds, and uh, just share about Daniel's life and ministry. And um, I think you probably walked away going, wow, the commitment of this brother and sister to church plant and to reach out to orphans and widows is probably, I'm humbled by just hearing it, right? And you're like, incredible. Moved by that. And um, I think you're just uh, here tonight or watching online because you want to learn more and see what God would have in store for the evening. So it's great to be with Patty. And we're, we're excited to be here. Pastor Daniel, he speaks, by the way, 11 languages. Wow. Yeah. I struggle with one. And so why don't you just say, it's great to be here tonight in Swahili. And how about in Lugandan? My wife is so very beautiful. See, that gets you points for later on, you know what I'm saying? So, Daniel, what would you like to say just as we begin here? Is there any introduction about Sunday? How was it for you? Yeah, Sunday was so great. I just want to thank God for this time again, even for the time to be able to 
seat and be able to share the love of Christ with you all. And uh, above all, I just want to thank the Lord that uh, he has also given me this opportunity just to be there, I mean, to come closer to you to share the goodness of the Lord. So may the Lord bless you as we listen and as we get to hear from each other and as we learn from each other today. And maybe just to give you a little bit more background, um, Daniel here is one of my best friends. We talk every week. We've known each other for five years now. We actually met here at Three Crosses. Him and Erica came. And just uh, Tracy and I, we had coffee with them, not knowing who they really were. But as soon as I hear there's a pastor that's indigenous from another country that we're not supporting, especially, I want to meet them. And uh, in a matter of just moments, we fell in love with Daniel and Erica. And we were on an airplane not long after that, just months which is the first time that's ever happened because there's a lot of research we do before we partner with a country. And we're there traveling throughout Uganda, just becoming closer and closer, witnessing miracles of what God is doing in this nation. But, you know, as I was sitting right here, just watching Daniel, sitting next to uh, Erica as well, their story is phenomenal. And um, you have an incredible story as well. God's at work in your life, and I'm glad you're here tonight. But Daniel, as you know, orphan. Erica is a survivor of the Rwandan genocide. And uh, as a matter of fact, she saw both of her mom and dad killed in front of her very eyes. Over a million people were killed in that genocide. And her family was the first one where rebels came in, killed her parents. She's lucky she survived. But God miraculously put those both together, and then they begin this ministry in Uganda, reaching church planning and reaching orphans. Daniel, an orphan, you heard his story. At age 14, took a rope, ready to commit suicide, was at the end of his self, and uh, met Jesus at the base of that mango tree. And I'm just listening to this, and I'm going, he is the number one church planner in all of Uganda an international communicator, uh, world-renowned communicator for orphans around the world. And, and Erica's amazing all the same. And I think, Lord, this is what you do. If we're willing to say, Lord, here am I, you know, he will use us. And look what God has done in their lives. And we're going to hear more about that this evening and the ministry we all share together. So I'm just struck. I just, and all of our movement leaders are like, Daniel and Erica, and you're getting to know them. They're just people like you that are just fully surrendered to God. And what God does, it's a miracle. First Corinthians 1 talks about how not many of you are wise. Not many of you were wealthy. But God chose, chooses the lowly things of this world to confound the wise. God wants to use you. He wants to use me. And I just look at Daniel and Erica, and I'm just like, it's incredible, their story. And so we're going to go more into that. I know this evening, but thank you, Patty. Yeah, we'll keep absolutely. going. Absolutely. And we did definitely want to have Erica up here too, but we're honoring um, that she's going to let her husband be, speak for her for tonight. Um, it has a little bit more of a shyness going on, but just so you all know, she was more than welcome to be up here as well because we know that she is a big part. As we heard Sunday, that was another big takeaway for me, Daniel. What um, Pastor Daniel was 
the just the beautiful goodness that your wife has brought into your life. And I think of Eve being made, and it was not good to be alone, and the goodness of God through Eve to Adam, the intent that we get to bring goodness to each other. And what an incredible redemption to hear your stories and then to see God bring you together and how honoring you were of of your wife and her influence. And so thank you for that. That was really beautiful. I think for our young women to hear that um, is, is powerfully encouraging in ways that are even beyond missions. So some of the topics we've been looking at, just as a refresher, is, is God necessary in the era of science? Life is good. Should, why should I care about God? Why should I trust the Bible? Next week, we'll be looking at, can I have Jesus without all the God stuff? Then we'll be looking at, can one religion have all the answers? Eventually, what, why would God allow suffering and send people to hell? How can I believe in the God of sexism, slavery, and slaughter? Why is the church full of intolerant hypocrites? Is Christianity made in America? I'm a good person, isn't that enough? So as we take a pause from this, I want to connect it also to our time that we get to have with Pastor Daniel and kind of pose the question to you and Pastor Mark both. These are some identifiers, things that are confronting Christianity in our context. What would you say are some of the questions, concerns, objections to following Jesus in your context? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, to me, being a church planter, like in Uganda, as we discuss about all this, uh, one of the things that I would look at as we go in communities, in villages, deep into the remote areas where no one wants to go, we face some challenges, some few problems like witchcraft. Witchcraft is one of the things that is being practiced mostly in Africa. And going in a community where people are so much deep into the covenant with Satan, where someone was like immersed into the satanic practices. And when you go into their community, they will always be that kind of rejection. There will be persecution because they don't even know what it means to be a Christian. So that, is, that can be one of the challenges as we move on. And then there is also the persecution of the church, whereby Islamic, uh, there is a lot of Islam that is raising, being raising, uh, raising right now, and uh, it's, it's growing up at a very high level. And you go in a community like where we are in Mokono, where almost 85% of the community are Muslims. So going into those areas, such areas, and you communicate Jesus, most of the times there is always persecution, whereby even when you move, you, you, you always think of, will I be able to be all right? Will everything be okay? But God, because he's God, he has given us the boldness, courage, and power 
to be able to go into some of those re, into some of those areas as we believe in the Lord, knowing that our lives have been sold deep into him. So we always have that faith that he will protect us, he will lead us, and he will never allow anything to hurt us. Going into an area where there is poverty, whereby you talk to someone and you tell him God, who has never even been able to hear about God. Someone who is hungry, someone who has not taken the child to school, someone who lives deep into the bushes in a grass-thatched house. So when you tell him about Christ, who is a miracle-working God, he's like, who is this God if I'm here living in this kind of life? Why is it that I live the way that I live if God is God? If Jesus is living, why has he left me to suffer like the way that I suffer? So those would be some of the challenges when we go down into those remote areas. But thank God that even when we go, we have already seen the manifestation of God and we have seen the invisible hand of God touching, transforming, and saving lives in those remotest areas where people had even never heard about God. It's interesting to see the commonalities of where you will see um, satanic influence be more visible and visual. We do know that Satan is the father of lies. And so where some of, some of our oppositions are lies, they may be subtle, but it's good for us to remember that we're walking into um, a battle and to be to be fighting not with weapons of flesh, but as you said, with boldness, confidence, union with Christ, knowing that when we walk in, we are not alone. So it's such a great, great way to think about how we can, how we can be, how we can do this together. What were you going to say something, Pastor Mark? No, just to tag on to Pastor Daniel, and I just see this common, you know, we, we support church planning movements that go into where the three billion people live in our world today that have never heard of Jesus. So, you know, here we are in a nation that even though we have our struggles and, you know, Satan does attack us differently than in these other areas, uh, there's a concept of God here in the United States. 80 plus people, 80% of the United States believe, you know, in God. And uh, uh, as we believe, even in a Trinitarian God, but you go to these areas where Daniel's speaking about and where all of the church planners we support go, we go where there is no church, no Christians, where they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and the number one thing I see, and it's related to what Daniel's saying, is they're wondering when they first hear Jesus, is your God greater than my God? The God that I'm sacrificing animals to and trying to appease because they live in fear. They're in bondage, uh, Satan and demons, and, and, and they're wondering how powerful Jesus Christ is. If I believe in your God, will he set me free from all that I'm experiencing right now, my sickness and my disease? And, and this is where we see, Daniel, you know, the gospel is going in. The gospel is the power of God into salvation to all who would believe. And pastors are going in and they're praying for people and people are healed and miracles are happening. It's like the book of Acts today. And then what does this say to those people when they're healed? This God is more stronger than 
the God I've been worshiping, sacrificing to, and, and thousands of people today are coming to Christ because of the power of the gospel, the name of Jesus, and it's being backed up the gospel with miracles. This is happening in Uganda, throughout all 23 of these countries, and to God be the glory. I wonder if part of the challenge for us, you know, as AJ and I have been working through this series and curriculum on evangelism, there's a lot, a lot of conversation we're having about reason, and there's a place for reason and reasoning arguments and, and understanding where people are thinking, but I'm just so challenged by the reality of how much am I actually praying as I approach my non-Christian neighbors and coworkers and family, and am I asking for bold bold requests of my father? And am I going in in the power of the spirit and in confidence in Christ? Um, you know, I may not see, or I may see a miraculous healing, but do I go in believing my God is more powerful than their beliefs? And that's such a great challenge. And so I'm just so grateful um, for this time. One of the questions that was, I want to transition to a question that was submitted related to Sunday that I thought was a fantastic question was what are some concrete ways to imitate, um, Pastor Daniel, your faith? Um, I love this question in the sense that I, I think there might have been a little bit of give us some strategies, but yet the word faith was used there. What are some concrete ways to imitate um, your faith in the East Bay? And either one of you would be welcome to answer this question. I loved how Pastor Danny connected that to Hebrews 13.7 about remember your leaders and um, their outcome of their life and um, imitate their faith. We don't imitate their actions. We don't imitate their strategies necessarily because we do live in a different context, but we do imitate faith. What does that look like? And what could that look like for us? Well, I think that we were touched, and it's one of the reasons we come to church, is we're inspired by leaders' faith. And uh, you have uh, Daniel come in, and this moves us. This is like challenging. You see uh, a husband and a wife taking 17 orphans, and you're thinking, that's incredible faith. It's an expression of faith. Or they sell all their belongings in their house and make $90 and start their first church. With that, you're like, my faith is like here, but your faith, I can tell you one time, I'll tell you one thing, Daniel's faith at one point was here. And over his life, it has grown and Erica to where it is now. And it's like, God doesn't expect us to give what we don't have. He expects us and calls us to give what we do have. So faith is a muscle. And the more we exercise it, the more it grows. And so maybe the question is, you know, okay, God is speaking to me. We're called to walk by faith. That means one step at a time. You're not called to be Daniel. They're not called to be Erica or Pastor Danny or Pastor Mark. You're called to be you. But listening to the Holy Spirit about that next step, you maybe can't take in 17 orphans, but maybe one, once a year into your home at Thanksgiving. So, you know, you, know, you see what I'm saying? is what are the steps of faith God's calling us to take as we are inspired? And I'm telling you, I'm so humbled as I travel the world and I'm near men like Daniel and Erica, Tracy and I both were so moved. 
And the Holy Spirit speaks to us about growing in our faith, but taking the next steps. Don't be overwhelmed by this. And I love the question because we can be just like, this is just so otherworldly. And in some ways it is, but, but it's, it's pretty moving, you know, because Jesus said, anyone who wants to be my disciple must give up everything. Well, maybe that isn't your whole house, but what you have in your pocket at the moment is everything. You know what I'm saying? And so what are the steps of faith that, and even as you hear the rest of this and our time together, we're going to transition in a little bit uh, to seeing some new things that are happening, and you're going to see some other faith being expressed. But hopefully that answers a little bit, you know, Patty, uh, just what you were asking. I, I think it's a, so critical, too. I, what I kept thinking of was, you know, unless you have the faith of a mustard seed, and what I was hearing through you, Pastor Daniel, on Sunday as I listened is it wasn't so much about how much faith as in who your faith is in. And even as you answered that last question, as you walk into these dark places, you walk in not faith in what you can do, but what God can do. And then that grows your faith because you're expectant and you see something and your faith is greater, but what's gotten greater is your faith in Jesus, not your faith. Does that make sense? It's the object of our faith, not the amount of our faith. And it, to me, that was so loud and clear. And I'm looking forward to more stories that are going to excite and increase my faith because it increases my view and my understanding of the power of God and his heart for the lost. Um, and maybe just to follow up with that, Patty, it's just Daniel... Um, how has your faith grown? You know, just, and, and what has been, what has God most used to grow you and Erica and your faith? Because you have a ministry that is just so amazing. It's Erica, right? And, yeah. <laughs> but what would yeah. you say? Yeah, I can say that uh, our faith has grown out of emptiness because of the way that we are raised up. Being raised up in a life that has totally nothing, whereby you just have to depend on God each and every moment of your life. So depending on God each and every moment of your life means a lot to us. This is the time that you go in bed having no even an idea of what will happen or what you will eat the next day. But you just believe that God will supply. You don't even know whether you'll be able to make it through a jungle. But you just believe that God will protect you. And faith is sometimes like risk. You don't know what's on the other side. But you just believe that it will be all right. So that has helped us a lot. And that has also, living in that kind of life, has helped us a lot to be able to know that God is God. Because every time that we come before him by faith, he has always been present. Sometimes we have been, we lived without food for days. But living without food for days we 
out of this kind of life, we've never thought that God is not there for us. And this is what I always tell people, Pastor Mark, that I have no reason to complain before God. And I don't even complain in my life. I'm not a complainer. The reason is because I know where God has gotten me from. He has been able to get me out of nothing completely. So whatever I have, whatever I do, where I am today, it is not because of me, not because of my parents, not because of any other person, but it is because of God. So because of God, for that reason, I always tell people, I don't complain. Whether I eat or not, whether I dress or not, whether I walk on foot or I drive, I don't complain. Whether I have money or not, I don't complain. Why? Because I know where God got me from. So that helps my faith to grow each and every day. Having it behind my mind that the one who found me right under the mango tree, if he was able to save me that day, he is still faithful to take me through this. Connected again a little bit to this question of this not complaining. You not only are not a complainer, Pastor Daniel, you are a thanker. You are a very grateful person. And boy, is that so connected. Entitlement and gratitude and how they are the opposites, aren't they? But you thank, continue to thank us on Sunday for those of us who got to hear the message um, excessively um, and being thanked for, for pastors who are living on $50 a month. And I think that was convicting for a lot of us. And maybe even we felt a little overwhelmed or even shamed by that, by that reality. Like you're thanking us for $50 when we would be embarrassed to tell you what we have actually spent $50 on in the last week. What would you say, Pastor Daniel um, or Mark, to those feeling guilt who are wrestling with the tension of living in our different contexts? I can come first, then he'll come later. <laughs> so, yeah. I even feel like saying to the church that thank you. Because the fact is, you have been able to be a blessing to us. You have been able to be a blessing to Uganda, to the church planters in our country. We are now looking, or we are talking about a person who lives on one and a half dollar a day. A month, that will almost make 45 to $50 a month. And to the US, this may not be a large amount of money. But to us, it is something great. And one thing that we know, is that giving is from the heart. People give not because they have a lot. People give because they have a heart to give. We know and we see many people who also have millions of money and they are not givers. But if we 
connected with the church like three crosses, and we find a person who is passionate about this one church planter in the country, and think about this person. To me or to us, that person who gives is a champion. He or she deserves to be thanked because he has at least for second lunch or dinner to be able to be a blessing to someone in Africa. So that's why we keep on saying thank you because it's out of sacrifice. It is out of love. It is out of prayer that you go before the Lord and ask him and the Lord allows you to be able to give whatever you give. That that you give is not small. It is big. And when we see it, it transforms lives in Africa. It is able to transform someone's life. It is the reason why people are giving their lives to the Lord. It seems to be like $50 a month. But $50 has transformed thousands and thousands of lives in Africa. People are being baptized because we are able to go to them because we have food on the table. We are strong enough to walk miles and miles to be able to preach to those so many people. The reason why they give their lives to the Lord, the reason why pastors, church planters are happy today, it's because someone has thought much about them. And you are fueling whatever you do. And it's the reason why there, is, uh, there are so many people who are giving their lives to the Lord. And transformation is taking place because of your giving of $50. So it's a lot. It may not be a lot here, but it's a lot in our country. We thank you so much again. <laughs> the Lord has blessed us to be a blessing. Uh, don't feel guilty living in the United States. We are the most blessed, wealthiest country in the history of the world. And Acts 17 says, God has ordained your living, your place. He has put you here at this time in history to join what he is doing. What is God doing? He said, Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, go make disciples of all the nations. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The question we need to ask ourselves today is, what is God doing here and around the world? And am I joining him in his mission? And what an opportunity we have as Christians in the United States. The opportunity is phenomenal in stewardship, in what we give, in going, in praying, in knowing, in knowledge. It's phenomenal. And I just think, Lord, to whom much is given, much is required. And think of how far $50 or $100 or whatever goes. It's amazing that we can even think about giving $50 or more and where it goes for the kingdom of God. And, you know, I say sometimes, imagine your life 20,000 years from today. Imagine your life. You're going to be more alive 20,000 years from today than even right now. What's going to matter to your life then? What you did for Jesus Christ for eternity, investing your life in gold, silver, and precious stones, as the book of 1 Corinthians talks about. 
not hay, wood, and stubble, which is investing your life in the gospel in eternal things, not temporary. And we have an incredible opportunity in the United States and in this church, what this church is doing. Praise the Lord for a church, three crosses, that is helping us understand how we can connect with what God is doing today here in the Bay Area, reaching people for Christ and around the world and do it at the most cost-effective way I know of any church in the United States. Supporting, without question, the number one most exciting thing God's doing on planet Earth today is what's happening in the nations through indigenous church planners. This is how the Great Commission will be completed through, and, and, and we're supporting it. What a privilege. So I just think, what an opportunity. And uh, let us hear from the Lord what that looks like in our lives. And you're all part of this. You get it. I'm preaching to the choir. It's exciting. And, and what an honor to partner with someone like Daniel. Maybe that's part of it for us. I, I so appreciate the, that Three Crosses is committed to supporting church planters reaching their own people that I couldn't agree more with um, that vision and implementation. And, and maybe that's part of the answer for us as I wrestle with the same tension in my own heart. I wrote this question for me. This is my question. Um, is can I trust Pastor Daniel's words and let him tell me what works and what helps and, and then go before the Lord and make sure that if I'm only giving fish and loaves, it's because that's all I have to give and then trust that Jesus will bless and break and in the hands of his appointed um, apostles, church planters, that will produce fruit that he intends um, to harvest for all eternity. So I think there is still that piece of, okay, maybe don't ignore the tension that we feel and really seek Jesus in that tension. And is it, is it guilt I'm grabbing that is that, of course, Pastor Daniel would never put on me? And I need to talk, though, to the Lord and see if maybe the Spirit is prompting me um, and, and, and make, that, make that personal as far as engagement in the kingdom. And so that does lead us to our next question which is, how would you counsel us here in the East Bay? Um, how might we enter into engagement and sacrifice maybe one more step deeply in our own context? So again, um, how might we enter into kingdom engagement or sacrifice a little bit more expectantly? Yeah, I would say that uh, in all that is being done, there is always a blessing. And... It is, it is always, all the things that we do, everything that we do, one thing that I know and that I believe that behind everything that I do for God, God will always bless. And there is a blessing in each and everything that we do for God. We will never be able to invest into the kingdom of God and fail to reap at the end of the day. So whatever I do, whatever I think of as a leader, as a church planter, behind me, I always think of that big blessing that I will be able to harvest at the end of the day. So 
I just want to let everyone know uh, that uh, there is a blessing. There is a blessing in patterning with the church in missions. There is a blessing in giving. There is a blessing in praying for the church planters. There is a blessing for investing in this kind of mission that the Lord has set before us. Because at the end of the day, I think one of the most things that will always make Jesus happy is to see people doing missions. I just want to encourage each and everyone that we still have the opportunity to be able to do this because we still have the energy, we still have the power, we still have the resources. The world is changing each and every day. Let's just use the time that we have right now. Let's try to redeem the time because we don't even know what is going to happen tomorrow. So the only time I have is now. And I will use now to be able to do the will of the Lord. Can I ask a follow-up to that, Pastor Daniel? When you say blessing, can you tell us what those blessings are? Because I think in our context, a lot of times, we think of blessings in certain ways as maybe material blessing or good health or, you know, we can go to a little bit. We say we're not prosperity, but we can. So could you help us get a better understanding of what blessing means? I have a feeling you know. I have a feeling you know. When I talk about a blessing, I'm talking about you have children. Your children may be in church, may not even be in church. But as much as I serve the Lord, I still believe that as, as I serve the Lord, my children somehow, somewhere, whether they are in church today or not, they will be blessed because of my service before the Lord. So I may be able to be blessed. My children may be blessed because of me. So I'm looking at that kind of blessing, which is more of a spiritual blessing. Mm -hmm. Spiritual blessing. I see this spiritual blessing that whatever I do for the kingdom of the Lord, my grand grandchildren may be able to benefit out of what I do today. Because to me, it is like I'm sowing a seed today. But in the years to come, the seed will germinate. I may not even be around, mm -hmm. but I just believe that because I have been serving the Lord, my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren will be able to be blessed. That's a blessing. Another blessing that I can see out of this is if I serve the Lord and I see people giving their lives to the Lord. Amen. What a huge blessing. Just to pattern with God in his kingdom? How did he choose me? How did he get up my name? How did he call me to be able to pattern with him? Because the world has millions, billions of people. But why is it that it's me? Why not any other person? If I'm out of the list that God has chosen, I see myself blessed. Because the Lord has trusted me to be able to be, to work with him in the vineyard. So I see a lot of blessings out of whatever we do. And I see that God 
I mean, just to see all these people being baptized. Pastor Mark was there, where over 300 to 400 people, just to see people being immersed in the water. And then they came out celebrating. To me, that's a huge blessing. That is better than silver and gold. That is better than anything. And that is what I call a blessing. Do you want to add anything to that, Pastor You know, Mark? I just think um, as, the, as I get older, okay, um, the question that just, uh, and maybe you're asking this as well, but I, I see our culture in the United States because I see, you know, I've been to over 50 countries. And I just, I, I see everyone asking about me, my purpose, my mission. I'm like, Lord, isn't it about your purpose and your mission? I think it's so important for us in life to say, to get our marching orders from God and to join God. Let his will be done, not my will. I don't want my plan. I don't want my purpose. I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what God is doing. I want to be where Jesus is. I want to be where God is. I want to get my marching orders from the word of God. I think of Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world, to all the nations, and then the end will come. I think we sense that our world is changing. We see it falling apart. Yeah, Jesus is preparing to return. Everyone agrees with that around the world. It's probably not talked about as much maybe as we could even in the church in the United States. I'm not saying in our church, but around the world. Are we preparing for Jesus' return? If he were to return tonight, are we living our life in light of his return and eternity? And I just see that the mission of God is that people would be saved. Because you look at Revelation 7, and every tribe, nation, and people are worshiping before the Lord. That's how history ends and the millennial kingdom and the eternal state begin. It's all about that last person who will be saved and then the end. I wanna work with God, partnering with him to see the great commission completed, the mission of God that he gave his church. And he's been waiting 2000 years for us to fulfill it. So to me, it's what is the greatest way we can reach not hundreds or thousands, millions for Christ. Mm -hmm. You belong to a church that's doing that. This is being recorded, so I can't tell you. Most of you know what God is doing today through the indigenous. To me, there's three ways to be involved in the mission of God. Pray, give, and go. And so you've got to wrestle with what does pray, give, and go look like for me as a Christian in light of eternity, praying for the mission of God giving to the mission of God and going. Sometimes you can't go physically, but you can go through, many of you, I'm just, support multiple church planters, multiple. You're going through them to the ends of the earth, completing the great commission, joining God in his mission on earth. You're gonna hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You get your marching orders from the word of God. A great life is built on the great commission and the great commandment. That is a great life. You can say, I'm living out the great commandment. I'm living out the great commission. I'm praying for it. I'm giving and I'm going as the Holy Spirit leads me. So, Connected to this is, is 
A question. I, I'm going to take a stab at the answer because I'm just getting to listen to you, but then I want you to add more. We just spent a couple weeks ago talking about spiritual apathy, which is it is can be a concern for a lot of us. And even the idea of missions can bring us face to face with our apathy. Like, oh my goodness, am I? How much have I really even prayed about for the lost? Much less in my neighborhood and across the world. Um, and so a question is, how do you and Erica stay spiritually vibrant? And I'll tell you, my stab at the answer is, is that you live by faith. I mean, when we actually take God at his word and our faith is placed in a very giant God and a powerful God, he continues to prove himself in a way that keeps our faith alive. And we also live in a broken world, and we have real bodies that get tired and discouraged even, and ministry is never easy in any context. So maybe you have some other, other thoughts for us on how you and Erica keep your faith vibrant. How do you protect against maybe discouragement when some things haven't gone well with a particular church planting pastor. I'm sure you have some of your own struggles with um, the body of believers in your context. And, and how, do you, how do you stay encouraged? How do you stay vibrant? Yeah, thank you. I would still say it is still the same. We pray because that's one of the weapons that we have that is keeping us vibrant to be able to, to you know, rely on the Lord each and every day. It's only through prayers. We fast. We know how to seek the face of the Lord, and we take our time off to be able to go in the presence of the Lord. We read the word. The word of the Lord is the light unto our feet. That is also something that we always do, uh, not only us, but even with our children, with our people that we have raised in the church, with all people who are in leadership, we just try to keep ourselves so close to the word of the Lord. And uh, uh, we help. It is also something that we, we have come to learn in this journey of salvation, uh, that uh, however much we have what to do, I mean what to eat, but there are some other people who don't even have anything. So as we think about ourselves, we also think about other people around us. And we are like, yeah, today we have some food to eat, but how about all these other people around us? Do they have something to eat? Do they have, you know, you know something? So these are some of the things that always ignites uh, our faith and our trust in the Lord, because we know uh, that uh, we are here today, but being here, we are on a mission uh, that uh, the mission is to serve the Lord. So in each and every capacity that we do, we always see whatever opportunity that we have before us, we see it as an opportunity to serve the Lord. So that ignites us each and every day to continue to serve the Lord. We get worried, we get tired, but we still encourage ourselves in the Lord and say, we have been called, we are chosen, we shall move forth, and at the end of the day, we shall finish up the race. So we just thought, for no extra charge, okay, 
we would just take you and show you a few things we weren't able to share Sunday morning uh, in the interview. Just moments here. Uh, and so I'm just going to ask Daniel. Daniel, what is going on right here? What's happening? So what we see, uh, the lady in green is called, she's a church planter by the name of Grace. And uh, the ones behind are inmates in one of the prisons in the southern part of Uganda. She was once put in prison together with her husband. And when she went in there, the time that we sh she was in that prison, she was faithful enough to be able to evangelize and disciple those people. So after she was released from the prison, she was called back by the prisoners, by the prison officers to be able to plant a church in that same prison. And every Wednesday and every Sunday, she goes there to be able to evangelize to those people. So a time came that uh, after she taught them and discipled them, many of them who were being released after their sentence were going back in their communities to be able to transform their communities and be able to start uh, home churches. Eventually, the leadership of the prison called her and told her that we need to have a church in this prison. And the reason is because the inmates, as soon as they go out, they have been able to plant so many other churches in their homes and the communities are being transformed through her life. So that's one of the, the ministries that she's doing right now. What is her name again, Pastor Daniel? Grace. Grace. Ooh. So yeah, we're seeking right now, we're raising funds to literally plant the first church I have ever seen in a prison in the 23 countries we work in. That's never been even extended to us, but this is what's going on in Uganda. Praise the Lord. What's going on here, Daniel? <laughs> That's one of the trucks. This truck held almost 400 people to be able to be baptized. So when we said that it's time for baptism, hundreds and hundreds of people, Pastor Mark looked at them and said, is everybody going to fit on this truck? I told him yes. Because <laughs> the, Just distance, watch and see. the distance was so far to be able to walk. Though some of them walked, but I tell you, that was going to be a baptism service. It was great that they were being baptized in a very small pool that you cannot even imagine. But we thank God for the mission, for the church planting mission that hundreds and hundreds of people have been baptized because of your support, your love, and for your prayers. So you hear about going to the least reached, the unreached. We call unreached, unengaged areas uh, where no one has even gone. And so we're going to share with you, this is the first time we've even shared anywhere, anywhere regarding this. And so uh, I'm going to begin by asking Pastor Daniel, let's start with who are the Karamajong? Let's start with that. And then we'll ask you, who is Pastor Clement? And Pastor Clement is on the left. Start with, how do you describe, this is a people group, who are the Karamajong? Let's start with that. Karamajong. This is very difficult to summarize in 15 minutes we have left. 
and I will actually be able to skip most of whatever because some of them cannot even be communicated here. But this is a group of people. They have like nine districts in the country. They are cattle keepers. They walk and live naked throughout. They live in one of the remotest areas that you've never even known. They've never known Christ. They have their own culture, which is so different from all other tribes in, in, in Uganda and in the whole country. So they feed on blood, cow's blood, and milk only for a living. They believe that each and every cattle or cow in any country, as long as it has no teeth in the upper jaw, is theirs. When a Karamoja comes here and finds cows in uh, uh, here, probably in this state in California, he will think that that is their own cattle, and they will always want to take it back home. <laughs> so he can say, how did this cattle come here? Because they believe that all cattle, whether in California, in Auckland, in Canada, or down in Mexico, as long as it is a cow, they believe that it is theirs. So they fight to be able to own this kind of, I mean, to be able to get, to become a man, you have to fight. So we call them uh, catorasolas. So what they do is a boy at the age of 12, he'll be trained to be able to steal cows. There's a Karamajong warrior right there. What is he going? What has he got? So these are warriors that the stool that you see in his hands, that is a pillow. That is what they use. And the stick you see is what they use to fight lions. So they don't have, they believe in themselves. And this was one of the church we planted recently when we went there. And that guy you see over there cried so much and told us, please come and tell us more about Jesus. We need Jesus. Please come. And he shouted and screamed and he was like, please come and help us. Come and help us. We need to know more about Christ. So this is Pastor Grace. She's one of the church planters and she has done a great work together with my wife. Look at those children. When my wife went there, every child wanted to touch her. So they, they were feeling her skin. And they were like, they thought that she was either a human being or someone who had just come in. So they saw something they had never seen in life. So those children have never been in school. They don't know anything about a car. When you go into their community and you get a car gets a problem, they will, whatever is important to them is the tire of the car because it's what they use to put on as shoes. If you tell a Karamojong that if I give you a car and then uh, a car and a cow, he will rather go for a cow than taking a car because a car or a house is nothing to him. So that is part of the mission that we did in Karamoja and 
hundreds and hundreds of children down there have never, ever even uh, been able to know anything about Christ. Even people within Karamoja have never been able to know about Christ. It is one of the, the uh, meetings that we had, and you can see that they are so many people. That is how they live. That is who they are. Those are their houses, the ones that you see behind. They don't even build houses, but they only build a perimeter wall made of uh, papyrus and everything, and they put it up together. So that is the kind of life they live each and every day. The government has been trying to show them that it's better for them to dress. It is better for them to put on clothes, but they don't even like it because they don't know anything. So here, the government is trying to show that you are human beings. You need to cover yourselves. And we went there. We had a very great time. And we opened up so many church houses within that area. This is a story that takes an hour to share. The Karamajong, there are 1.3 million. Missionaries have tried to evangelize them for 2,000 years, and they get killed. Uh, trying to just attempt. This is Pastor Clement. Year and a half ago, he went in on a mission to the interior. He is a born-again pastor who used to be a Karamajong warrior. He knows the interior. And he went out on a bus. Nine people were killed on that bus by Karamajong warriors. Uh, he survived. He got a hold of Pastor Daniel, and he's like, I need help to plant churches. He's the number one church planter in Uganda. Daniel called me, Mark, what do we do with this guy? I go, we've got to support him, right? Yes. He has 10 other guys that are willing to go back and lay their lives down. Let's support them. We supported them. They're being supported right now. You are supporting them. Churches are being planted for the first time in 2,000 years among this people group. Um, we'll take some questions later. This, Daniel, share what happened here, because I want you to understand, when you go into these areas that have never heard the gospel, miracles happen, what happened here when Erica prayed? What was going on? They had not received rain for over two years because their land is so dry. And when we were in a hotel preparing to go the, the other day, because we reached in town so late. Going to that place takes hours, days. So it was very hot in the night. Then Erica said that it is too hot, Lord. Let it rain today. So we continued to go to this place. And these ladies, men and women, they had never gotten any meal for days. They sleep in that place that you see over there. The church planter, Grace, who is there, is the one who accommodates them all. But she also has completely nothing to give to them. As soon as we arrived in this place, because of Erica's prayer before the Lord, the Lord uh, answered her prayer. As soon as we reached to that place, it rained. Now, this surprised us. They never had her pray. They were not even there as we are coming. 
But after we reached into this place, they said, you came here and he trained, and they told her. And they told her that we are giving you a new name called rain, because when you came, it rained. So we just came to know that God used Erica to pray and ask for rain. But surprisingly, nobody knew that she even prayed and asked for that train. It was only between her and God and us. And even these people never knew that there was any prayer that was made. But they sensed that in the spirit and they knew that God told her to pray. That's why they now gave her a new name. So she's now... Rain. <laughs> she is now called Rain because <laughs> when she prayed, the Lord had her prayer. So we have Mama Tracy and Rain. <laughs> <laughs> so this right here, this is what three crosses you're doing all over the world. I'm just telling you one story of what God's doing in the least reached areas. But what is this right here, Daniel? This is the first ever, ever, the training center in the Karamojong land. This is where all church planters are going to be trained within that area. It is the first building ever, the first training center ever in that region. We thank God that this place is going to disciple, equip, and send very many people to be able to go across the nine regions to be able to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Nine regions among the Karamajong. This, which you helped build this church to send church planners, train them into the nine regions. First time in 2,000 years, these people will hear the gospel. This, Jesus said, I will build my church. This is what he's doing in these last days. He's using this church. I'll show you this to you because I know we're running out of time. Uh, we are supporting 10 church planners with Pastor Clement. These church planners, I about weeped when I heard what they're doing. They take their kids, they go into these unreached areas, they don't even have homes, they're living under the trees with their kids to preach the gospel. The Karamajong who are naked, who just, they roam, they're cattle ranchers, they roam the land, they're migrants. Uh, just, and so we're like, okay, what can we do? What is our strategy to reach this area? We are providing every one of these church planners a $5,000 home, which protects them, and also a church. $5,000 we're trying to raise for nine more of these homes for church planners. And this is one of them. This is the first one ever in 2,000 years, along with the other house church, the first one training center you saw. <laughs> That's Pastor Clement. What's going on here? He was, the other one behind is one of our church planters. She's called Anna, and uh, this one is Pastor uh, Clement riding to be able to go and be able to train and uh, to train and equip more church planters within the area. But this motorcycle means a lot to him. This is now his everything. One time, one of the church planters told me uh, that when he got the motorcycle, he wanted the motorcycle to be on the, on the mattress so that he may sleep under so that he, the motorcycle can be protected. 
He was like, <laughs> I just feel like let the motorcycle be on the mattress so that I can sleep where it would be. So this means a lot to Pastor Clement. And it is what he's using right now to be able to go to all those other different districts. But it can take him over 150 to 200 kilometers, even more than that, riding this motorcycle to be able to go and reach out to some of those new church planters, uh, churches that have been planted so in those So we areas. get them, their support monthly. They're all saying hi to you, thank you for that $50 a month support. We get them motorcycles, we get them homes. We're out to reach all the Karamajong for Christ. You're doing that. Be encouraged by what God is doing through you and it's an honor to partner together. I know we're running out of time. Yeah, Patty, how do we want to? Just going to have one last question, I think, to, to connect all of this and wrap us up. We've been deeply encouraged, if you're like me, and I'm guessing you are. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, what would it be like for us to be an encouragement to Pastor Daniel? What would he want to see happen here that our lives, our stories would challenge and encourage him. So I'd love to pose that to you and to Pastor Mark. What would you like when you come back in a year and what are we up to that challenges, encourages your soul in the way that you have encouraged us, gives us, gives you a bigger view of God that you've given to us? Thank you. I would want, I would desire to see three crosses, sending many more people on the mission field. Let them go and be able to be part of what the Lord is building. Because the Lord is looking for some other people, and it may be you that the Lord is looking for and is waiting for you to be able to go. Secondly, is to see that even the young generation can be raised, can be discipled, to be able to go out into the world, to be able to bring as many across the, across the globe. Let's raise up those young people to be able to go. And three is to pattern together with what the Lord is doing. I know that going, God is doing something great in this church. May you please be a pattern. May you please be able to come up and be part of what the Lord is doing, so that you may also leave a legacy behind that I patterned with the Lord in the transformation or in the building of the kingdom of the Lord. I know that your name will be there. And one time we shall meet in heaven and we shall all be happy to see each other in heaven saying, wow, and the Lord will be telling us, thank you, faithful servant, because I know I will see you there. And you also see me there one time. It makes me think of um, Jesus' first formal words in his preaching ministry. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And now he has sent us. We are Christ in community. Thank you for that.
I pray that when you come back and visit us, you are deeply encouraged because we have sent more and we have partnered with Jesus in seeing the good news spread across the bay and across the world. Would you pray for us, Pastor Daniel, as we close up? Father, I want to thank you so much for Three Crosses. I want to thank you for the leadership. I want to thank you for all the ministers. I want to thank you for all the members, the church, the body of Christ. Lord Jesus, King of glory, I pray for them right now that they may be able to see the goodness of the Lord. And I pray, Father, that they may be blessed even as they go. Father, I pray that your protection may be upon them all. Father, as we leave this place, may the angels of the Lord go before each and every one. We pray that you may lead us. May you give us your word so that we may be able to meditate upon it each and every day. We thank you for these people, for these champions, for these great men and women who have been able to be in this place. And I know and I believe that it's because they love you is the reason why they're here. Thank you, Father, for all that you are going to be doing through us. And I thank you for all that you are going to be doing in the near future. We glorify and we honor you through the precious mighty name of Jesus. Amen.